Hello, and welcome to The Final Mix, the podcast where we take a deep dive into classic albums and analyze them track by track. I'm Jeremy Boyd, and I've been a music geek since I was a small kid. If you're a fan of music like I am, join me as we listen together to a classic album. Wow, okay, episode three. I can't believe this is already the third episode, the third time that I'm doing this. I'm having so much fun doing this podcast, and it seems to be taking off a little bit. At this point, I only have the first episode up. I've finished the second episode, and now I'm recording the third. But, uh, you know, people seem to be uh, starting to listen. I have got a couple listeners so far, so I want to... First first of all, give a shout out to the first couple listeners of the show. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, you, you have no idea what this means to me. Um, I thought that maybe I would get uh, a couple listeners after like five or six episodes. I wasn't expecting to hear feedback from uh, the first episode, which was pretty amazing. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I can't believe that... Uh, it hasn't really taken off, but I, there's a few people that it seem to be enjoying what I'm doing and uh, keep going. So I just wanted to say thank you to those people. I after uh, listening to Little Richard, I really um, started to dive into like '50s rock and roll. I started listening to uh, Buddy Holly, Chuck Berry. I I just went on a binge yesterday of just different. Um, different 50s rock and roll stars that I never really, not that I didn't listen to them before, but I never really paid much attention to them, if I'm being honest. Uh, But it it was such a joy to rediscover that music, um, that music that I'd been not necessarily neglecting, but it uh, just kind of, um, yeah, I just hadn't really uh, listened to it uh, that much for a very long time. So it was uh, just so much fun to go back and and rediscover that. I just have a couple announcements. If you, I am now on Twitter. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at uh, at the Final Mix Pod, it, um, and uh, you can follow me there. I'll be uh, just posting updates of what's going on and uh, that's probably the easiest way to engage with the show uh, you can also email me at uh, the final mix podcast at gmail.com if you want to maybe send a longer message or something like that I'm always happy to receive a message so uh, always uh, drop me a line there if you can Okay, so uh, without further ado, we're going to get into the album uh, this week. I've Again, I have no idea what album I'm going to be listening to. So let's click the button and see what album I'm going to be listening to. Okay, this is interesting. The Monkey's Headquarters. That's okay. This is, uh, wow, okay. I wasn't really expecting this. This is such a unique thing. If you don't know who the monkeys are, the monkeys were, um, I'm just looking them up now. They are, are I guess, are or were a uh, pop music 
group that started out not like any other pop music group. They started out with their own TV show. And I'm not talking about like American Idol or uh, The Voice or anything like that. They were, the original idea for the Monkees was put together by, I I can't remember his name, but uh, I have it here. Yeah, okay. So they were put together by Screen Gems, which is... If you know um, Bob Rafelson, that's not the guy's name. What's the guy's name? Um, Don Kirshner. That's the guy's name. Don Kirshner. Don Kirshner uh, was a TV executive. Uh, and um, in the 70s, he had a, a show called The Midnight Special where you uh, where um, you know different bands would come on and they would just perform a couple songs. Uh, I think it was every Saturday night. And on at midnight and uh that was his thing but before that he was involved in uh the monkeys so the monkeys consisted of uh peter tork uh davy jones mickey dolenz and michael nesmith and the 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 concept behind it was it was a tv show like a half hour sitcom and it was involving like basically the American Beatles is what it was. And, uh, so the, they cast, um, they put out a call sheet, a casting call for, uh, anybody. And, and even musicians, uh, would uh, audition for the roles. It's funny because, uh, Steven Stills, who uh, was actually Peter Tork's roommate at the time auditioned as well. And of course, Steven Stills went on to perform Buffalo Springfield and Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. And, but I think it's interesting that he actually auditioned for the monkeys at one point. And he was actually like possibly considered for that role, which is uh, very interesting. It would have been interesting to see Steven's, what would happen if, uh, if Steven Stills, had gotten the audition for the, the the monkeys. I would we even know who Neil Young was at this point? I don't I don't want to think about that. So uh, okay, so headquarters. What was headquarters? I know it was a significant um, album in their career. I th- I th- what I think it was was a. Uh, the first album that they were allowed to play their own instruments on it, because what, what had happened was because it was a TV show, there was always this, um, idea that, that they would release singles and albums from the TV show. So, uh, the, but the thing is they kind of, because of Peter Tork and Michael Nesmith, who were both singers and songwriters, they wanted to be part of the music making process. The problem was they had already hired a bunch of studio musicians to play the basic track. They didn't need the actors to play the instruments on the, on the uh, album. Um, so I, but there was a big push to, uh, try and get the actors the, from the actors. They wanted really badly to be able to play on their own record. And this is their third album. And I'm, and I think this is the first album where they were uh, permitted to play some of the instruments. I don't think they were allowed to play all of them, but certainly some of them they were allowed to do. So uh, this better be on Spotify. 
let's get into i'm gonna there's a deluxe version on on spotify here so but i'm I'm only going to be listening to the uh, original release uh so this is this is the first song from the monkey's headquarters it was written by michael nesmith which is pretty cool uh because uh, the the fact that Michael Nesmith, one of the actors who pushed to get his music recognized, um, his song is one that opens the album. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, so uh, let's listen to the first song. It's called "You Told Me." You told me. Um, I really love that song. Uh, it's uh, got some psychedelic stuff going on with it, um, which is really odd if you think about it, because these guys were really uh, the the purpose of the the TV show was to be like this upbeat, ha- happy sort of uh, American Beatles and this innocent pop group. But it's got some really uh, heavy kind of psychedelic undertones to it. Uh, like I said, it was written by. Um, Michael Nesmith, uh, he's obviously sang lead vocals. Uh, I thought he's playing the 12 string guitar and in the sixties, 12 string guitars, uh, electric 12 string guitars were really, um, really popular. And I think they were popularized obviously by the Beatles and, but more so by Roger McGuinn from the birds. He was really instrumental in bringing, uh, the, that 12 string Rickenbacker sound, uh, into the forefront of, uh, of, um, creating that sound of the sixties, the mid sixties pop sound, that jangly sort of 12 string guitar. So it's uh, very fitting that that's on here. Chip Douglas plays bass who's a famous famous um studio musician but i i drum uh, mickey dolan's play the drums but one thing that's interesting and you can hear it in the background is peter torque is playing the b- the the banjo and uh that is you know for something that is sort of like a pop psychedelic experience the banjo would be sort of the last thing that you would think of but uh for whatever reason, it absolutely works on this song. And I think it really just kind of ties the whole vibe together. It's like, okay, we're experimenting, we're expanding, uh, anything goes here. And I think, uh, it's really cool to, to hear the banjo and it's not a, a featured instrument. Like it, there's not a banjo solo, but it just kind of drones throughout the whole song. So it's, it's really cool to, uh, to, to, to hear that. Okay. So, uh, let's, get on with the next song uh, called I'll Spend My Life With You. This is a song written, uh, sung by uh, Mickey Dolenz. And girl, I find you're still
Okay, cool. Um, I like the uh, the the country vibe going on with that one. I like the the the, the fiddle and the pedal steel guitar. That was really interesting and uh, very unique. Um, not so much for country music, but sort of unique for the time and f- something you don't really expect or, or you don't really associate with the monkeys or like mid sixties pop songs. I think the, I think the reason they're doing this is because they're trying to differentiate themselves from the Beatles. You know, they're, they're, they're creating something that's very distinctly American. And, um, I, th- you know, that's, that's totally cool because, uh, th- you know, you want to, you, it's okay to be influenced by, uh, something. And I think part of it was getting away from the, uh, the, the TV executives who were trying to like manage them and and things like that and sort of, uh, create their own identity, which is very important for an artist. I mean, if you, you, their first album, you always kind of, uh, wear your influences on your sleeve. And then, uh, for the second album, it's always, you eventually you want to create your own identity and have your own sound. You, I think if you keep, um, sounding like your influences, you become stagnant and you don't really grow as an artist. And I think this, so this, I think this is the monkeys growing as artists. Uh, so it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty interesting to hear. So the next song is, uh, called forget that girl. And it was sung by Davy Jones, who has an amazing voice, or had an amazing voice. He has since passed away. But uh, he was a great singer. He was the only, uh, it's interesting because he's the only British ver- um, member of the band. The The purpose of the group was to be a uh, an American version of the Beatles, and they ended up with a British person anyway. So <laughs> that's pretty cool. Anyway, uh, this is uh, Forget That Girl. Forget That Girl. Okay, forget that girl. Um, cool song. Very, very cool song. I like the piano intro, the electric piano intro. That kind of reminded me of um, like a Motown kind of thing. Uh, that was cool. And the vocal performance was just top notch. I think that was um, that was so great. I, I, I always liked the way that Davy Jones sang and um, really sorely missed as, as a musician and as a singer. Um, really great voice uh i enjoyed that immensely that might be my favorite song on the album so far i think uh the, the electric piano was was intro was cool and it, it like it felt like a motown bassline and i uh, i will always always love that who played the electric piano that was actually peter tork that was a member of the band peter tork playing it wasn't a studio musician which is uh very cool i'm very surprised by that well i should i shouldn't be surprised by that because he's a, a very competent musician but uh that was really cool that's um yeah that's that's very cool okay so moving on to band six uh, this is an instrumental track uh which is 
interesting. I think it, they really want to hammer home the fact that they're playing their instruments. And so they really want to include uh, an instrumental track. So uh, it's only 40 seconds long. So let's take a listen and see what that is. Got it now, Mickey. Okay, so that was really nothing. Um, that was just uh, that's just, just an interlude. Uh, I kind of I'm reading about it. And it was just a uh, a nod and a wink to the Looney Tunes theme song, which is interesting. Um, yeah, so there was just an interlude type of thing. I thought it would be uh, more than that, but. I guess I'm wrong. So uh, moving on to the next song, uh, it's called You Just May Be The One, written by uh, Michael Nesmith, also sung by Michael Nesmith. It says here, it's a remake by the band, the earlier version which featured session musicians, including Glenn Campbell. Interesting. Yeah, he was, Glenn Campbell was part of the Wrecking Crew, which is uh, a group of studio musicians that made a lot of pop music in the 50s and 60s um this is the only track on headquarters to feature the four monkeys playing the same instruments they were shown to play on the television show oh okay interesting so mickey dolans is on drums uh peter tork is on bass michael nesmith is on guitar and davy jones is playing the tambourine okay that's an interesting thing they i i I guess they all kind of switched around cool okay so let's hear what that sounds like Okay, that was an amazing song. (laughs) I don't know. I've heard that song before. I didn't know it was called You May Be The One. Amazing song. That might be, uh, I think that's probably my favorite Monkees song. I think that might be my favorite song by the Monkees. I love the melody and the sort of grandiose, those big chords. Dun, dun, dun. You know, I, I love that. And I love the uh, epicness, I guess, of the, of the song. Um, I, I, yeah, I just absolutely loved that. That was amazing. And I, I love... Yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. I, I just... Uh, that was an amazing song. So we're nearing the end of the f- side one of the album, and which is... Uh, the the sixth song on the album is called Shades of Grey. And it was, this is interesting because I didn't know that they actually sang together, which was Davy Jones and Peter Tork. I, I know they're in the same bands, but I didn't, they're in the same band, but I don't really, th- I never thought about them really singing together. 
Um, so I'm very curious and very intrigued to see what they sound like singing together. So this is Shades of Grey with uh, Peter Tork and Davy Jones singing uh, lead vocals together. Let's see what that sounds like. Okay, a very uh, sophisticated pop song there. Um, very, really, they're really expanding their horizons as musicians, and uh, I, that was very, um, very pleasing for me to hear. Uh, <clears throat> so my my thing with the monkeys is I I knew their story because I'm a music geek. This is what I do. Uh, so I'd, you know, I'd seen some documentaries on them, maybe behind the music or whatever. And, uh, but I never really dive deep into their music like I am now. And uh, I'm really glad that I, this came up today because I never really got a chance to explore. I knew Headquarters was a, an important album for them. I knew that that, would, that meant a lot to them, but I didn't know that it was this important and I didn't know that it was really this much of a departure for them. I I, I don't know why, but I always uh, kind of thought that, uh, I just, I guess I knew the level surface level things about them. I didn't really know much about their career and I didn't never really listened deeply. And I, I, uh, I'm not really ashamed of that, but I'm, I'm just sort of, uh, kind of questioning. It's like, why didn't I, you know, listen to them before, you know, but, uh, I'm, I'm glad I did. And, uh, I'm glad this came up today. So rounding out the first side is a song called, I can't get her off my mind. So this is interesting. I'm just reading about the album here. And uh, apparently it was released a week before the Beatles released Sgt. Pepper. So it was a hit. It was number one. And then it was knocked off of the number one slot by, by Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. You know what? I think that's three episodes in a row that I've uh, mentioned the Beatles at some point. Uh, so I, uh, I'm not going to try not to do that, but uh, just an observation. Anyway, I think that's interesting that it was released at the same time as Sgt. Pepper. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, it's that time period. And I think the follow-up, Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones Limited, was a little more in that psychedelic uh, realm. Because uh, uh, Sgt. Pepper come out and, and sort of they, they sort of went that, that way. Um, so that's interesting that the, the transition period, I guess, of music and pop music and what that meant. So we're going to listen to the last song on side one called I Can't Get Her Off My Mind. And I don't think I'll ever get her off of my mind. 
Jesus lets me know that she could see that maybe we were two of a kind. And I don't think I like Okay, so probably the most Beatles sounding song on the album so far. That was taken straight off the Beatles. Uh not that that's a bad thing. I think that's kind of what they were striving for. I think that's what they... Look, the Beatles in the 60s had an influence on everything. N- not everything, but a lot of things. A lot of things in the mainstream. And so it's hard to avoid having the, the Beatles uh, influence creep in there at some point. And it's Davy Jones singing. He's a British singer. So, uh, of course, he's going to... Of course... He's going to sound have a pop song sounding like the Beatles. This song is sort of like a, uh, I don't know, uh, American. It has that, uh, that Beatles vibe with the vocals, but the instrumentation sounds almost American. It's very, uh, I, I don't know what the word is, but uh, I guess it's American. It's, 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 it's uh, like a ragtime, I guess. Um, it's got that kind of jumpy sort of ragtime feel to it. Uh, and it's a, it's a song and it, it flows really well into the, uh, into the album and the overall theme. I think this is really, this is one of those albums where it's like, okay, we're really actually doing this, you know? And and again, these guys are, are, we're, it's a TV show. This isn't a real band. This is a TV show. They're not supposed to be doing this. And yet, against all odds they're doing it and so i think that's really cool so uh let's get in this is the first song on side two it's called for pete's sake and this song was actually used uh, i think it was recorded before so it was actually used as the closing theme to the tv show the monkeys and um I'm very familiar with this show. I actually used to watch the TV show. It used to come on TV when I was a a kid. So I used to watch that TV show. And so I'm very familiar with this song. But uh, so let's hear it. Uh, Let's hear for Pete's sake. that song and i i always like the um the organ in that song it's, it was so cool and uh the the organ is really just there to add really cool flavor uh to the rest of the song it's it's got that jangly guitars with the tambourine and everything and it's uh it's such a cool song and and i always loved it i loved it as a kid i like it even more as an adult, I actually really like this more than I liked the opening theme, which is Hey, Hey, We're the Monkeys, or uh, I think that's what it was called. But uh, this uh, this song seemed a little more just cool, you know? Okay, moving right along. Uh, so this is the, this is now we're on side two. We're in the back half of the, uh, the album. And so this is a song uh, called Mr. Webster. Never heard of this song before. I'm very curious to see what this is about. 
Mr. Webster. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. So, sung by Mickey Dolenz. Uh, steel, okay, so it's got steel guitar. Michael Nesmith is playing steel guitar, so that's really cool. Um, I didn't know he did that. But I'm not surprised because he's a, a Texas guy. So uh, <clears throat> we've got Michael Nesmith singing, um, playing Tex um, steel guitar, Davy Jones on tambourine, and Peter Tork on piano this time. Um, so I guess there was an earlier slower version with session musicians recorded uh, on the Missing Links Volume 2, which is a compilation. Um, so a lot of these songs are repeats, but I think what they've done is they've... Uh, gone and, and recorded the the instruments themselves rather than having the studio studio musicians doing all that uh so let's hear what mr webster sounds Everyone like one in town knew mr webster he worked at the bank for 40 years and each week mr frisbee made his check out for 68 dollars Very cool. Very psychedelic. Um, I like the, the fact that the pedal steel guitar didn't sound like a country pedal steel guitar. He was doing his own thing with it, which is something that I absolutely admire. It's something, one of the reasons that I like Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails is he take, he's taking sounds that pre-exist and sort of twisting them on its head. And that is kind of the uh, precursor to that. Obviously not as intense as, as Nine Inch Nails, but the fact that he's taking an, uh, a typical conventional instrument and sort of turning it, turning it on his head uh, is really cool. It's, it's, it's really cool. So the next song is called Sunny Girlfriend, again, written by Michael Nesmith. He's written a lot of these songs, uh, sung by no Michael Nesmith, harmony vocals, Mickey Dolan's, backing vocals, David Jones. The only, uh, okay, so Michael Nesmith is playing guitar, Mickey Jones playing, or uh, Mickey Dolan's playing drums. Uh, David Jones isn't on this song. Oh, he's on, except for doing backing vocals. I guess Mickey uh, Davy Jones wasn't really a musician. He was more of a singer. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Look at like Mick Jagger and Steven Tyler and Robert Plant. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being not a musician and just a singer. If you're just a singer, you know you've already got uh, your voice. Your 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 instrument is built inside of you. So that's that's the way that I look at it. Doesn't mean you don't have musical talent. Um, but Davy Jones, it doesn't really play an external musical instrument. Uh, but uh, here we go. Uh, sunny Girlfriend. She's my sunny girlfriend and personality. Well, she's got a book that tells about everybody's past. She can make you slow while making your mind move fast. Okay, that was a cool song. A little country vibe going on. Um, I love it. I dug it. Uh, old country, like uh, maybe uh, a little bit like, um, oh, what's his name? 
No, I can't remember his name. Any, older country sort of outlaw guys. Uh, and Michael Nesmith certainly had that in strides. And I think Peter Torek had that as well, you know, hanging out with Stephen Stills and all that. Um, so, I, you know, just a, a cool little song. And uh, My Sunny Girlfriend, it's both country and California at the same time. So I really, uh, I really dug that one. Okay, so. So the next song isn't really a song. It's uh, called Zilch, and it's a vocal exercise or a vocal uh, thing. I'm not sure what to call it, but it's uh, it's a thing. It, this was it was actually sampled in um, in a hip hop song from the late '80s, early '90s called Mister Dabalina. And if you if you're listening along to uh, the album with me in this podcast, you'll hear. Uh, Peter Torek saying Mr. Domelina and I knew the hip hop song for years before I knew that the, it was Peter Torek. I didn't know that it was the monkeys. Uh, but now I know, I know I, I've since, you know, discovered that. And, um, it's so weird. It's so weird to hear that. And, uh, to hear it in the context of the monkeys and not in the, uh, Mr. Domelina, uh, song. So it's, it's pretty cool. So here's zilch. Mr. Davalina, Mr. Bob Davalina, Mr. Davalina, Mr. Bob Davalina. Zilch, China Clipper calling Alameda. China Clipper calling Alameda. Zilch, China Clipper calling Alameda. Never mind the It is of my opinion that the people are intending. It is of my opinion that the people are intending. It is of my opinion that the people are intending. It is of my opinion that the people are intending. It is of my opinion that the people are It is of my opinion that it is of my people that the timid. Man, you know, the 60s were weird. That's all I can say is the 60s were a weird time. Um, I don't really know what else to say about that. Uh, uh, psychedelic, whatever. You know, it's cool. It's cool. Let's just go with it. So the next song, um, I don't know. Yeah. So the next song is uh, called No Time, written by uh, all of them. This this is a song that was written by the band as a group. Um, so, so that's pretty cool um so i'll just read the uh the information here from wikipedia written by four monkeys uh by the four monkeys according to peter composition was done primarily by mickey and mike interesting uh but as a reward for his hard work on the album the band decided to uh credit the song to recording engineer hank sicolo uh guaranteeing him a large royalty check so the reason i think they did that is because these guys weren't a band in the traditional sense. Like I said, they started out as a, as a cast of a TV show playing a fictional band. So from what I have heard and what I know about this album is it took a very, 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 very long time to record. Whereas most bands, I think Mickey Dolan said most bands could get the take in, you know, three, maybe four takes of a song, these guys were taking like 50 or 60 takes to get it right, but they eventually did get it. Um, but it just took a lot more time and a lot more practice because they, unlike the Beatles, they didn't have time in Hamburg, Germany, where they were playing night after night after night and honing their craft. Their craft was honed in less than a year 
of not really being a band. So they weren't really musicians. They could play, but they couldn't play well enough to be on the album. So I think that's, uh, so that's actually really cool that they gave, gave their engineer, um, you know, royalty checks for being patient with them and for, you know, making sure that they, you know, were, uh, that they put out a good product and, and they could do it on their own. It seems like this guy doesn't really get the, the credit that he deserves for really taking care of the band. So uh, this is a song credited to him, but it really was written by the four monkeys. It's called No Time. So that was sort of a um, hybrid song or a hybrid influence, kind of uh, definitely Little Richard, but also some Chuck Berry in there. Maybe that's just because it's fresh in my mind from yeah, uh, you know, the last episode of listening to Little Richard. But I can definitely hear the influence of those two guys in that song. In the guitar, definitely uh, Chuck Berry. The, the guitar solo was, you know, a hundred percent inspired by Chuck Berry. I don't want to say ripoff, but it was inspired by Chuck Berry, and uh, the vocals for sure uh, inspired by uh, Little Richard. So, um, you know, like I said. The, the 50s rock and roll really did set the blueprint for uh, what would come. And, and um, you know, following the evolution of rock and roll is a really interesting thing. Okay, so, uh, and it's cool that it was written by all the monkeys. That was, that was really special. So, moving on, this is the last or second last song on the album called Early Morning Blues and Greens. Uh, Sung by Davy Jones. I'm expecting this to be a slower song because um, uh, Davy Jones was really good at that. Um, so here we go. Here's uh, early morning blues and greens. Steaming coffee warms my face. I'm disappointed in the taste. But there's a piece. The early brings the morning world of growing things. So that was not what I was expecting to hear from Davy Jones. That was a lot more uh, experimental, a lot more spacey, a lot more psychedelic than I was exper- expecting. I really like that that clanging percussion in the background that uh, with the, all the reverb on it. Uh, I don't know what that was, but uh, that sounded cool. I'm going to look this up because it probably says it in the credits. Um, early bass, drums, jawbone. Maybe that was the jawbone. I don't know what a jawbone is. What's a jawbone? I'm a music geek. I should know what this stuff is. Uh, is it what I'm thinking of? So it's one of those, I guess it's one of those clean, it's a percussion instrument. Um, and I guess that's what was in the background, that heavy reverb thing. That was, uh, yeah, not definitely not what I was expecting, but uh, very cool indeed. Very, very cool indeed. 
Um, okay, so we have arrived at the final song on the album. It's called Randy Scouse Git. And uh, I heard, um, I'm a huge Tom Petty fan. And uh, he had a, a radio on, he has a, he had a Sirius XM satellite radio station dedicated to his, his music. And on there, he had a show called Tom Talks to Cool People. And he actually did an interview with Mickey Dolenz. And um, uh, Randy Scouse Git is uh, a British term an American band using a British term for a someone from Liverpool who's uh, Randy is a euphemism as a uh, synonym for horny, I guess. And uh, Git is uh, like a unsavory character. You know what I mean? So Randy Scouse Git. Uh, but the thing is, I think Americans wouldn't know what that meant. So they just thought it was a weird phrase but uh that's what that means and i actually do know the song really well it is this was one of the monkeys uh bigger hits so um but i want to hear it now so let's hear it let's hear randy scouse get the uh, the timpani in that um i love the epic sort of feel to it the psychedelic kind of thing but it's still pop it's still mainstream i was just reading about it and while i was listening and um so the 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 song is a british phrase gleaned by dolans from television likely from the show till death do us part which is a british tv show never heard of it uh meaning a lustful fool from liverpool uh Though, in fact, to call someone a git in Britain, Britain is equivalent to jerk or prat. In the series, the word was aimed at Alf Garnet. Uh, okay, it doesn't really matter. To avoid offense in the UK, this is funny. The to to so this is how far we've come in in terms of censorship and what is considered a naughty term. In the UK, to avoid offense, the song was called uh, alternate title. And there's a um. So that's pretty funny. And then there was uh, an, an inf- a reference to the Beatles. The Four Kings of EMI is a, a reference to the Beatles. The o- opening drum riff of Randy Skowskis can be heard in the season one episode. Uh, that doesn't matter. So that's pretty cool. That's uh, I never knew that about that song. I always knew about the phrase. I knew what Randy Skowskis meant. I knew what each individual word meant. I didn't really think about it putting being a put together i didn't know that it came from a british sitcom um again one of my favorite monkeys songs i love the 60s that's my uh, favorite era i think for music and so yeah so that's uh that's really cool so uh yeah so this album for me uh overall i think this album is such a cool thing and it's a cool piece of history in the in the the monkeys catalog because it's the turning point where they switched from being uh television actors to being a real band and i don't i think that might be the only time that that's ever happened i think that's a totally unique thing that has ever happened um 
where uh, the cast of a TV show actually decided, hey, we're going to put out a record and we're going to put play all the instruments on it. Um, And they did become a real band after that. After long after the TV show was off, they through different reunions and stuff, they became a real band. So um, so that's really cool. And I'm glad to see that they do have the respect that they I think they deserve because they certainly earned it. Not in the beginning. Not I don't think they earned the title of being a real band, but I think they certainly worked to get there. And uh, I think it's uh, totally cool. So this is the, that was the uh, beginning of that. So I think that's the end of the podcast. I want to thank you so much for listening. Like I said, I am now on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter and uh, get this podcast on Apple podcasts, uh, Spotify, all the usual places you get podcasts. And um, yeah, I want to thank you so much for listening drop me a line on twitter or if you send me an email the final mix podcast at gmail.com all those uh good places and uh thank you for listening and i will see you next time take it easy